hard time expanding wide enough to embrace dichotomy. They tend to globalize and think of things as all good or all bad. They also want one cure-all or one answer for all issues. Well, if you're on the path of awareness, it's critical to understand that all things can damage and all things can also heal. There's an old Wiccan principle, that which can poison can also heal, and nothing can heal without also being able to poison. This means that any teaching or practice can be beneficial, and it can also be detrimental, depending on the circumstance. So you can understand what I mean by this, I'm going to give you quite a few examples. First, let's start with the example of the teaching. You don't have to see the entire staircase. Just take the first step. <laughs> this is a brilliant teaching. An awesome truth within the universe. Assuming that you're teaching to people who suffer from the overwhelm of the scope of their goals. Basically, they feel paralyzed by it, and so they don't take the first step towards anything because they have to see the totality of the picture, and it's so big they can't figure out how to accomplish it. Genius teaching for those people. However, it's super detrimental for another type of person. There's a type of person who loves to follow the whims of their emotions no matter what. There's a type of person who actually feels overwhelmed by the concept of having to see the bigger picture. In essence, they don't like the pressure of having to make decisions about what's right for them based on big-picture awareness. To put this another way, these are the types of people who tend to put one foot in front of the other and wander straight into sharky water. They don't realize they're in shark-infested water until it's too late. Why? Because they refuse to see the big picture and only thought about the single step in front of them. Now let's look at affirmations and gratitude lists. Affirmations and gratitude lists can be a really good tool for decreasing stress, improving your personal mentality and frequency, and developing awareness of the positive polarity of your life. They can also be methods of coping with situations that need to be changed instead of coped with, methods of lying to oneself, and methods of avoidance and escapism and denial. The universal truth, there is no death. This is something which can help people who are afraid of death, help people who have lost people to death immensely. because. It allows them to understand that death is not endedness. It decreases their fear around death and may even make them more aware of their capacity to connect with that which is no longer physically manifested. This is also a teaching that can cause incredible amounts of pain. This teaching, for example, can get people completely stuck and unable to process through their own grief. Why? Because if the universal truth is there is no death, now I'm having a hard time understanding this because there is death in the physical dimension, but Maybe I'm just an idiot because I can't see that truth within the universe. So basically, this teaching has the capacity to make it so that people <laughs> make their feelings of grief so wrong they can't even go through them. And on top of that wrongness, they're suffering from the death. And on top of that wrongness, they're having a self-esteem collapse because if it's a universal truth, maybe they're just not evolved enough to see it. Also. This particular teaching, being something which can decrease the fear in death, can cause somebody who's suicidal to have one more excuse to do it. Meditation is one of the most powerful tools available to physical humans. The list of the benefits that can happen as a result of meditation is about five miles long. Let's condense this list to say that it can be an especially powerful way to become aware and present. But meditations can also be a method of awareness suppression resistance, and escapism. 
For example, some people use it to escape the physical dimension because they perceive it to be unevolved and think it should be transcended. This is the opposite of presence. Some people use it to suppress their emotions. Anytime they feel a strong negative emotion, instead of listening to it so as to become aware of the personal truth beneath it, they simply meditate it away. Some people use meditation as an addiction to avoid facing the wounds they have. The next example. One person may be ready in their path of spiritual growth and awareness to practice disidentification to the degree that they lose their identity and instead begin to actualize oneness. Obviously, you can see how this would benefit someone, right? But what if I told you that there's another type of person on the planet? This type of person grew up in a situation where they were enmeshed. They were never actually allowed to develop a strong core or even a sense of self. For this type of person, if they did the same spiritual practices as person number one that I just mentioned in this example, in fact, it would be detrimental for them. Essentially, this person, person number two, would be better served, even spiritually, by developing a strong sense of self and a sense of personal core. Shadow work can be used as a tool of self-love. It can be used to accept, to acknowledge, to develop intimacy with, and to reintegrate the parts of you that you have suppressed, rejected, denied, and disowned. It can also be a tool of self-hate. If your reason for going into shadow work and finding these parts of yourself is so you can fix them because there's something wrong with them, then you've done nothing other than send yourself a message internally that you can't be loved as you are. That sounds like a self-loving message. Mind creates reality is a powerful teaching. It causes people not only to understand the power of their own mind, but also to feel a sense of empowerment towards a reality that most people feel powerless to. It can also be a fast track to causing pain, being ignorant, and justifying denial. It can serve as a justification to slip into a narcissistic bubble. A person can speak the truth about reality, and someone can use this concept as an excuse to deny it, because if they don't choose to see it, it doesn't exist. This also can be a way of causing extreme pain to someone suffering by essentially blaming them for whatever painful thing happened in their life. The teaching, choose yourself, even when others refuse to, because choosing yourself is self-love and self-love is self-care, can be something that people use to stop their codependency patterns, make the right choices for themselves, and get out of abusive situations. It can also be something that people use to justify their narcissism, fail to take others as a part of themselves, and enhance separation and offend for yourself attitude within the human race. So often, when someone is having an issue with one of my quotes, or is contesting something that I've taught, or is suffering as a result of doing one of the processes that I put forth. What is happening is they are taking something wildly out of context, or they have found one of these scenarios where that which can heal can also poison, or they are misapplying something and using one of the tools or one of the teachings in a situation where it absolutely should not be used. You get the point here. Basically, it doesn't take a genius to see that if any teaching can be beneficial or detrimental depending on what situation an individual is in, teaching to a group is rather difficult. It also blows the door wide open, wide open, for the following. People using the wrong concepts and practices for them at a given time, or the right concepts at the wrong time or in the wrong circumstances. It can be compared to trying to nail something in with a screwdriver or trying to use an axe in a situation that requires tender, loving care. The level of awareness that you need to have to be able to objectively and clearly see 
what teaching or what practice is right in a given scenario is quite frankly beyond most people. The reason that follow your feelings isn't the very best of all, let's call it barometers, for whether something is right or wrong for you is that there's all kinds of scenarios where you're going to feel good when something's not actually good for you. To understand more about this, watch my video titled Why Follow Your Joy Doesn't Always Work. Also, some things that are very right for you don't feel great. For example, removing a thorn from your foot feels like crap in the short term. The safest thing you can do is to become aware that right and wrong are not unchanging commandments. Whether something is right or wrong, changes or varies depending on the situation. It will be different from one situation to the next. Be aware of the potential healing or the potential poison of any concept, tool, teaching, or practice. And you can ask yourself a very powerful question relative to anything, any concept, any teaching, any tool, any practice. In what ways could this be beneficial? In what ways could this be detrimental? Have a good week.